This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, which is offering our listeners three full months of unlimited access to all of their lectures for just $30. Visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Probably Science. Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I am Andy Wood. Hey Andy. Hello Matthew. Um, I can't believe we haven't had this guest on. This is—I know I've say—I say this semi-regularly. Oh, this one's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> this one is really crazy, totally crazy, absurdly crazy. Because one of the first people I knew out in LA. Yeah, that is true. And uh, so, the person I knew before I moved to LA, six years before I moved to LA, I knew you. We met at the UC. We met online, but we met officially at the UCB. We met online, but we met at the UCB in the like the side aisle, waiting to sit down for a show. Probably for the all night show in two thousand five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Met through the magic of a special thing dot com, the Tenacious D fan site. <laughs> it's been Mister Show slash Tenacious D. Yeah, and uh, this, Ed Salazar. We thank you very much. Yet. Yeah, welcome to the show, Mister. Yes, Ed Salazar. Hey, everybody. Um, it didn't we crash there... on? Did I crash on your floor in two thousand five? I, I think we exchanged floor crashes. Okay. Um, Have we actually said this is Ed Salazar? Yeah, I've lost track of him. Okay, cool. A comedian, uh, producer, uh, dog haver, on comics, melt on comedy. Yeah, last week we were accompanied by two fiancés, mine mm-hmm. and our guests, and this week we were accompanied by a dog, the Who's, dog Newt. Yeah, which is the a greater bond and love than marriage will ever give you. So let, oh. t- let me tell you something. I will murder people for this dog. I had, <laughs> I, uh, I did Meisner acting classes for a, a year and a half, and like you have to imagine things to give yourself emotion. And so when I had to go in a scene where I had to be like angry, I was like, I would just imagine someone doing anything to my dog, <laughs> and I would just and I would come in too hot. Like my teacher, would be like, <laughs> if if you get too close to somebody, she your te- the teacher would yell five feet, oh. and I would just come in fucking furious. I mean, just seething, and she's like, "Well, the senior, you got a parking ticket," and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "Like, oh, I got a rap a parking guy. ticket from the guy who <laughs> murdered <laughs> my dog, <laughs> <laughs> just ripping doors off of hinges." <laughs> Where did he even get that phone book to rip into? <laughs> Why does he have a flamethrower? <laughs> Do they even print phone books? Yeah, I ordered a phone book for the scene. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you for. I, mean, I I can't believe I haven't been on before either. It's, it's on all of us. I'm going to talk to my is... agent. You you have asked me a few times, and it's literally it's literally oh, okay. every time that I've been like, you have you've asked me, and I've had to like have skin tag removes. That okay, gross. Then, thank so, you for yeah. adding that detail. It's a part of having a darker complexion that happens. <laughs> uh, well, you're here now, so thank you so much for making right. the time. Um, and we always ask our guests before we get into stories, what, if anything, is your background in science? Oh, that's really interesting. Well, I was a soci- I, sociology is sort of a soft science or a liberal science. So I don't know how people look at it, but I did like do a lot of statistical analysis through that. And uh, I always I do really like science. I remember I'm dyslexic, which I didn't know at the time. So when I got into science classes, it was actually kind of like physics. I remember high school physics was a really great class because it uses your brain you know physics is imagery you know like yeah. einstein a lot of his like it wasn't all equations on a piece of paper it's him imagining like a train and right train thought the, experiments it's thought experiments and just for dyslexic that's actually very much more fun yeah and it gave 
and for you know people with dyslexia have sometimes a hard time organizing the world and physics gave me a very good uh grounding in that mm-hmm. and and so i i really always enjoyed i enjoy you know science and i'm an atheist so also like i'm very kind of anti spiritualism and anti-religion so oh, speaking speaking of that yeah if we were before we were recording we started oh, talking about <laughs> we both <laughs> screamed at the walls started i started hate watching the goop show on netflix oh, no. matt have you watched any I, why why are you doing this to yourself I why mean, are you doing this to their so metrics fun. is it it's just so fun to get worked up about dumb stuff and like some of the episodes are benign enough but um, doing yoga is good for you yeah but then i haven't even gotten to this one yet but i guess there's one where she brings in fucking psychics uh, like oh so that's the level of bullshittery we're gonna get yeah into massive now. amounts like, of and, uh, look. Well, well hang on wait a second though are they real psychics <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a good laughs> point. who's vetting these psychics uh yeah and and here's my rant about that is that it's real fucking delightful can we swear on this yes one? yeah it's real delightful for rich people with healthcare to to believe in this bullshit stuff, the problem is that there's poor people like me who sometimes don't have healthcare, and there's a lot of people who don't have healthcare who are going to watch this and use it as a stopgap for oh, healthcare, yeah. and that's awful. And it's like, fine, you can have all your goop, but you also have to give everybody healthcare. One or the other, right. like you can't do because she's like this. Really, Tom Brady also is very goopy and like. It's like he's like I drink twenty gallons of water a day, so I can't get sunburns. Like, well, also you have a <laughs> you have a skin regimen that's like twenty thousand dollars a month or something like that. I'm sure, like he's putting lotions and shit on his yeah. body. You have a nutritionist. You have your life is about staying physically healthy. Person- and also, you live in Boston where there is no sun. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. get sunburn. Yeah, you li- you live in the you North Pole, you dickbag. <laughs> I don't know who's known for his non sunburning abilities. So it's just it's, yeah, that's what he's most famous for. Yeah. I have the Super Bowl of, of paleness, right? Yeah. But and also, I have a very sensitive. I'm very sensitive about how wealthy people uh, take for granted the things that they have, and also try to put responsibility back on people for what the structure of society is doing to them. And so whether when when rich people say things like, "Oh, we need to teach people fiscal responsibility." Yeah. Well, no one tells a, no one is like, "Oh, you a billionaire buys a yacht that's 100 million dollars." And no one's like, "You're not spending your money right." And a poor person buys like an iPhone and they're like, "Oh, you shouldn't buy an iPhone." So like in the same sense, Goop is once again pushing the your healthcare responsibility back on you and ignoring the fact that people don't have fucking healthcare and that we shove shitty foods into people and that the environment is is trash. And- right. It is. Yeah. It is hard for many people to do many of the things that are suggested. And also, there's that other thing. And I know there was some criticism leveled at Marianne Williamson as well, for who's very yeah. much in that same world. Yeah. She, uh, for the non-American listeners, she was and possibly still is a Democrat candidate for 2020. Has she officially dropped out yet? She's on the cusp of dropping out, yeah. at least. Uh, She's but, like Bernie Sanders for people who love the Zodiac signs. Right. Uh, and the, and she in one of her books, she's, you know, she's written about... Uh, I'm going to have to paraphrase, I can't remember the exact writing, but it, it her and other people of her ilk have written about things like illnesses being caused by negative thoughts right uh, including cancer and the corolla the corollary to that i mean the obvious repercussion of that is well if if negative thoughts cause cancer then you are blaming people's cancer on their negativity right and the, this child's cancer this kid, look this kid did not like his the paint in his bedroom and now he has cancer it's, it's, yeah it's, it's not because of like environmental or genetic right. uh, oh, wow. effects or just 
pure random bad luck. Bad it's luck. because they were thinking bad that thoughts was. on the, for a couple of years, and that's why their lung got that tumor. I don't know. She's been accused of telling gay men not to take medication for AIDS, of yeah. implying that they were quote not positive enough, positive enough to counter the disease. Oh man! Yeah, she said cancer and AIDS and other serious illnesses are physical manis- manifestations of a psychic scream. She's a vision board that got oh, struck by lightning and became person. God. It's so it, it's awful. Uh, and and once again, it's it's like most of these. Like, you know what makes people depressed? The fact that they don't have money. <laughs> like that's really it. That you you can be bored, depressed, but then you can if you have money, you do drugs and it's great. And so like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like well, I mean, there are there are also there's really, there are definitely very wealthy people who have depression. I have ha- depression. I've I've had depression. I've been on uh, SSRIs before, but also like if you have I would, but if you would have given me five million dollars when I would been, I might have still been a little sad, but I would have been like <laughs> fun sad, you know, like it, it's really we put so much stress on people and so much anxiety on people and on their health healthcare mental health care and it's like to, to tell somebody who if you're poor now in america your commutes I, I would love to see a study i was a sociology major this would be a, if i was not lazy and i would be willing to do studies i would be interested in like looking at length of commute correlating to income because mm-hmm. we've pushed poor people for working less people farther and farther out and then there's already research that shows that the longer you commute the more depressed you are so it's like yeah and then to tell someone who's like commuting from Riverside to work in Malibu at a restaurant that like, oh, your problem is you need to meditate. And meditation is great. I've done meditation. I'm not saying meditation is bad. But to not to also not realize that like, well, we we're not American people are working so many hours that to also. Well, and, and also to tell people in situations like that, you need to eat healthier when they have right. no money and no time to prepare right. food. And like when you're in that situation, the only thing in America right. that you can get quickly and cheaply is Not McDonald's or. Yeah, I lived in a poor part of DC when I was graduated college. I lived in kind of a lower income and it was like, it's what people call a food desert. And it's like, so when, when like someone like Goopy is like, they should get you should eat spinach and kale and stuff and and i would have to drive 45 minutes to get kale you know <laughs> right or i could eat it kale out run the, anybody want some kale I'm going yeah. out to the- <laughs> or eat it right off the pizza hut buffet which was where kale used to just exist was just pizza hut buffet yeah. as the decoration that did you know that this is this is, this is a piece of trivia that no I, one i didn't know that i mean kale's not like an expense it shouldn't be an expensive thing be- before like the kind of current kale revolution, the number one because it's a superfood, which is a generally meaningless designation. <laughs> no, it, w- it wasn't even eaten. It was used to put in between all of the containers as oh, I know what you mean I as dress. You. Like so, it was like so you'd have like the bacon chips, and then around that would be kale. And that no one ate ice, it. right? In that ice, yeah, in the ice thing because it's very hearty. It doesn't the, so uh, yeah. So it was just like decoration. That's funny. No one ate it. No one ate kale until like five years ago. Until Goop, until Gwyneth. Until Goop fixed it. There's yeah, a few but- things like that. Like quinoa was, is just a staple food in yeah. large chunks of the world and now is made extraordinarily expensive because people have decided it's a fancy superfood, right. super grain. How about the fact that like uh, acupuncture is... Actually, I don't know if it's expensive. I assume it's expensive. There's no way it's cheap, right? Yeah. But the only reason it exists right now is because... Uh, and this, when, when I was having back problems and pe- I was, people were like, uh, being like, have you tried acupuncture? Like, have you tried magic yet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I finally got to just like research this and see if, if I can definitively say it's bunk or at least like no better than a placebo. 
and the history of it, it's almost like it's almost racist that we think it's legit because we we have this like patronizing view of the East. Yeah. And like it's true, it's hundreds of years old, but a hundred years ago, China had already dismissed it as bunk science. Yeah. It was debunked. It was brought back by Mao Zedong as a way to do free universal health care because right. it's not real medicine. It's just putting needles in people. It's and just, then an American writer visited China in the 70s and was like, oh, ancient Chinese secret. Like, look at this thing I had yeah. done and came back with stories about it. And we fetishized the the Orient, as they called it back then, so much right. that that became a thing here. I'm like, no, that was a thing a trickster did to tell his people they have medical care when in fact he's doing nothing for them. And right. now your friends are like, you've got a ruptured disc, go some needles in your feet or whatever like yeah so fucking dumb i had a writing partner my friend my writing partner friend sean kripalani whose dad is from india and my favorite thing to do to him is anytime he had any physical or emotional or mental discomfort i would recommend yoga to him but in a really subtle way i'd I'd bring it on real slowly i was like dude you know like i don't want to tell you what to do but I mean, I heard it's really healthy and great for you. Like, have you ever thought about yoga? Because to him <laughs> and his dad, people who did yoga were basically scam artists. Like, yeah. the, like a lot of the religious in India, you know, export of religion is basically all the people who in India are like those people are are just swindling you. There's Scientology basically in India, yeah. you know. But then. Hey, when it comes to yoga... Yoga's great, though. I do, I, I would, I do like it. It's exercise. Exercise it's, is good. Yeah. I would say, but, like, a series know. of strengthening and stretching exercises sure. in an organized way, I, I think with a lot... Until you start making sort of magical claims about it, then I'm then right. I'm out. But if you just go, like, here is a... here Here is a practice that has elements of meditation, which has been proven to be good yes, for, the yeah, human, yeah, for, for humans, sure. and also elements of exercise, both flexibility exercise and strengthening exercise. I'm just going to start an exercise class that's uh, based on the Catholic Church with people genuflecting like, <laughs> repeatedly. Like, yeah, I mean, it I, could be good yoga for is you. great. Yeah, I, yeah. Yoga has really actually helped me with a lot of things like physical, but like... There are actually... So you might be onto something there, Ed. There are... Yeah, numerous well, I mean, religions where their practice, their worship, is actually quite physical. Yeah, you the, know, there's there's various Jan- dancing. Yeah, Janine Turner from um, Northern Exposure has a Christian version of yoga. You can find the video clips of it online. It's called Christ Yoga. She just like reinterpreted the yoga poses, Jesus. and gave them uh, Christian names. So instead yeah. of like sun salute, it's son of God salute. Oh, this or is instead terrible. of uh, downward, do- do- I was like. Um, like Solomon's table, or I don't, it's just yeah, like yeah. Biblical references instead of it's just awful instead of the typical yoga pose names. But I, uh, well, I mean, I'm an atheist, but but I do understand that like religion does stuff and it does work and it does in for in certain aspects it can work. It's like if someone's like I'm a junkie and then I became Christian, I'm not going to be like no, you can't be a Christian. Right. Like I get that. Yeah, um, know, yeah, and there are also do what you do. There are elements of pseudoscience and pseudo medicine that the. Again, we've, we this is, comes up on the show fairly often. There's just sort of I I am torn between when when one of those doctors and I use that in the very loosest possible oh. sense. There's very strong quote marks going around that sees someone and gives them an element of comfort and you know an element of uh, placebo mm-hmm. uh, treat effect and mm-hmm. and also just being listened to. That does have certain benefits. And also when someone gather. You know, I I used to be very hardline. You know, so, but if someone gains pleasure from reading their horoscope every day or something like that, sure. and it just gives them a light lift, then I I am generally like, okay, if that works for you, uh, if you like to see an acupuncturist as well as 
but not instead of your real doctor then and it helps you feel like you're taking control of your illness then fair play <laughs> but then it but then when it tips over and as is so dangerous with stuff like this into both devaluing science devaluing mm-hmm. real medicine uh increasing the scientific illiteracy mm-hmm. of the population and dissuading people from visiting real doctors and making them yeah. distrust real scientists and i think then then that's the real danger because that also tips over into things like um uh vaccine use dropping and climate change skepticism yeah well that's the thing once again it's like these things are all fine as long as everyone has an education and healthcare and like they're good as like additives or if you need it like i've done i've had my friend do tarot card readings for me and it's fun and it's like a way to kind of discuss my life to use these things as a way to create a conversation about my life you know right and so i understand where it's coming from and if someone believes that it's spiritual then you know whatever but like but i also just think that that does solve have a function but yeah the problem is then also you know (laughs) then you can start to feel passive because you feel out of control of your life you're guided by fates and stuff and that's right and as you said before a lot of this does a lot of the ability to do this stuff does come from privilege and yeah if you internalize too much of the too many of these ideas it's very easy to then tip over to the well then the people who aren't doing this must be just because they don't care about themselves and it's their fault for being ill right (laughs) yeah oh my god what I, have you discovered, Andy? Because you went quiet there for a second. Yeah, and you were looking to, at. I was trying to find. This was like really disheartening. This there was a Scientific American op-ed that was criticizing Dr. Jen Gunter, who we've had in the show, who's a, a vocal opponent of Gwyneth Paltrow and an actual gynecologist. And uh, this op-ed. Was, By the way, it's like I know why. In the context of what you're saying, you said the phrase "actual gynecologist." Yeah, no. <laughs> I was. <laughs> it does. No, like, we got a lot of these so-called gynecologists <laughs> out there. I'm an amateur gynecologist. I mean, that's what, yeah. you know, one of those, those fucking t-shirt shops. Like, yeah. I'm no doctor, but I'll take they, a look. They wouldn't, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't sell it to you yeah. if you didn't have some qualifications. They I could mean, legally. I am a federal bikini inspector. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just hand those FBI. certificates out, yeah, Andy. Those yeah. aren't the t-shirt right. is not actual training. You haven't yeah. done anything to. But this op-ed in, in Scientific we, American we, was criticizing I, her for quote bullying women and gaslighting survivors of sexual abuse, and I was looking it up to get mad about it again. And Scientific American actually deleted it. Like everyone's like, "This is you are you are like promoting a person who is promoting like non-science and pseudoscience yeah. and criticizing the scientific method." And and everyone's like, "Oh, this article was just trying to be like, hey, if people feel like things work, and it's like, well, this is Scientific American. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if uh, it's kind of cool, they took that down. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I, it's it's weird. It's it's weird that we have to." fight the re- reoccurrence of the dark ages <laughs> in 2020 it's, it's with the internet it's fucking infuriating I, I don't know how to how to deal with like we're, yeah <laughs> I shouldn't well, care well, this much but we do have a science podcast well, here, here's a well here, let, let's jump in with yeah, this sure. story because I, yeah. I I I checked through the emails because I think some people emailed it as well but I'm looking at the version that was tweeted at us by Zane Pafford uh, it's another win for Einstein oh Oh. This he's is had inter- enough wins, hasn't he? He's had a fair few wins, yeah. hasn't he? He's done all right. Uh, not least the... But what if it was in basketball this time? <laughs> <laughs> a recently rediscovered yeah. film. Yeah, it's him dunking. 100 points in one game. Broke just, Wilt's record. Yeah, Wilt, yeah. Just dunking on Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> just elbowing Dirac off the court. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... 
But uh, a, a twist in the fabric of space-time predicted by the physicist theory of general relativity is causing the orbit of one stellar corpse to teeter around another stellar corpse, mm. report researchers. This is according to the sciencenews.org article. And the relativistic corkscrew is helping astronomers reconstruct the final days of these two long dead stars. I saw Stellar Corpse on the Warp Tour back in, I think, it was <laughs> They opened for Mudvayne. Yeah. <laughs> what was that song? They sang it was like, I don't know if I can live anymore. I think that was it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, according to general relativity, any spinning mass drags space-time around with it like ha- like a hand mixer in molasses. Mm. One way to see this frame dragging is to keep a careful eye on anything circling the spinning object on a tilted orbit. The space-time maelstrom will make the orbit wobble, or precess, as it's more accurately known. Okay. I never do precess on an empty stomach, because now I want... I want- Molasses. molasses. You want some whisk, whisked Wind. up molasses? So, is this, are these stars molasses. that are that are out, but they didn't collapse into into black holes? Is that the? Um, I believe in this case, yes. Okay. So, yes, it does it say that stopped burning out, but didn't wasn't massive enough to collapse on itself. Or they're like lazy stars. <laughs> Newt is making a move. Is very excited. He's doing he yoga. To be honest, dog. he yeah, really he literally is. did. Newt, this done. That's the Got sound that of a, Mike. Yeah, yeah. That's the sound of a dog sort of shaking himself out after some good practice. Yeah. By the way, I don't want to disrupt the story, but we found out before we recorded that he he. There's one song that will make him scream. Like we tried singing a bunch of other songs, but it's literally just this one song. We'll do it at the end of the podcast. Okay. We should we'll do it as a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Yo, stay stick around to hear Dude sing. It's the best. For the last twenty years, researchers have been using radio telescopes to track the motion of a pulsar, the dense remains of a massive star that went supernova as it orbits a spinning white dwarf, the core of a lighter star that died less violently. So, okay, so you've got a pulsar that is orbiting round a white dwarf. Just uh, just so you can picture exactly what's going on there. I, 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 oh, I 100% understand. I know what's going on. <laughs> the, the pulsar, which is dubbed PSR J1141-6545, sorry, that's dash 6545, I don't want to misname this pulsar, and have you thinking about the wrong one? Yeah, I was picturing a totally <laughs> yeah, different yeah. <laughs> yeah, just sorry. Sorry, my bad. Uh, Slightly right of the one you're thinking of, I think, Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It emits a steady beat of radio waves as it spins, and by recording the arrival time of those pulses, researchers can tell when the pulsar is moving towards and away from Earth. I know pulsars have been used quite a lot for various different bits of astronomy. So, They're like stellar clocks, kind of, right? I mean, cause Yeah, they, they are. They're, they're essentially... I think I'm right. I think I, I remember finding out a while pulsars actually emit a steady beam of energy of light but they're rotating so it's kind of like a lighthouse right because right, every whatever the rotational time of it like every time to- every so often or every right. second or every minute or however frequently it's rotating uh it's pointing straight at us we get a flash of light oh interesting um i believe that's correct i could be wrong right Astronomy. I know it, it emits something periodically because of some kind of asymmetry in its... Uh, yeah. yeah. But I think that's what it is. I think it's a rotation, but it's it's beaming out of the end of it, okay. either through one end or through the pole, so you see it twice. Um, so, so you've got the steady beam, and because of the arrival times, you can tell whether it's moving towards or away from Earth. Mm. Over these two decades, the orbit of the pulsar has been slowly precessing 
report the astronomers. It's not much. The orbit's tilt drifts by just 0. 0.0004 degrees a year. It's precessing going backwards then? I think it's just it's altering. It's sort of wobbling the orbit. Wobbling, okay. But... Because it's being warped by the other object. Yes. Ooh. And it matches, so the amount it's warped by matches what researchers expect if the neighboring white dwarf whips up space-time as it spins. Oh, wow. So That's crazy. Yeah, this has been reported by Vivek Ven- uh, Venkatraman Krishnan, that seems- who's an astrophysicist at the Max Planck Institute, and and colleagues. That seems surprising that it's enough that we could measure given how ridiculously tiny we have to get the uh, get LIGO to to measure gravitational waves that travel through the earth you know mm. i know that's nuts isn't it it's so so tiny and so specific but also the fact that yeah once again the predictions made by einstein's equations pretty much a century ago he, he's undefeated are still being proven correct he's, he's really undefeated and i try to take him down every day <laughs> i know i know and you, you keep i keep i follow you on twitter and i keep seeing your yeah. angry challenges to einstein and i know when you were defending him you guys didn't know if you should do a zone or man on man we bodied him up yeah, the yeah. Low post. yeah it, i mean and it kind of speaks to the difference between when we talk about the difference between science and everything else is that like science reinforces itself over time and everything else kind of yeah, well, science makes predictions that can be constantly tested and retested. And right. Right. in the case of Einstein's predictions, every time a test has come out, they seem to match what the equations but, but predicted. If they, but right. if they didn't, we wouldn't have someone who was like an Einstein dogmatist who would yeah. be like, well, no. then I have to disregard this evidence. Because and right. in fact, Einstein. in certain cases, they don't. Einstein's equations do fall apart at the quantum level. So when things are extremely yeah. small, uh-huh. uh, for example... Einstein's equations don't hold true, and no one has yet been able to marry those two different things. That's the sort of bit. Yeah, that's. I I loved that stuff. I loved hearing about that level of because that is kind of mad. Like that is true. True magic is like trying to put your head around like what's below an electron, right? And it and and the fact that the. The fact that the laws of physics as we know them seem to break down at those levels, or yeah. at least a different set of laws suddenly become more relevant. Right. But that's not how physics should work, because science, the whole point, the whole idea of the laws of physics is they should be firstly the same anywhere in the universe, but also the same at, at any, any scale, scale right. both when things are extremely fast or extremely slow, and when they're extremely big and extremely small. Right. The laws should be the same, and right now... They appear not to be, or at least the models we have. Yeah, I'm sure eventually there will, will be a model that works at every scale. And that's that. I'm not sure. What am I? What but that's saying? but that's <laughs> the dream. You know, that's, <laughs> Andy's so, got to figure it out. Everybody, don't worry. Grand unify theory of everything, which is right. But but at least yet. at least we're allowed to. Things can be wrong, and then modify. That, like, that's whenever someone is like calling me closed minded for being like, oh, you new Western science. I'm like, then don't call it science. Just call it like fun, repeatability. Just call <laughs> yeah, it like you know. Yeah. When you do the thing, Habit. and when you don't do the thing, is there a difference in outcome? You know, like, it, like astrology, there's no way if someone couldn't have a breakthrough in astrology, but, they would suddenly change. They couldn't have something happen. They would have they would reevaluate. I just find found an obstinate Gemini. <laughs> 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 That's everything. I will. I will say, like, I think that there. What What is interesting to me is that, like, is quasi science or semi science or whatever. Like, it can be the effects that it's doing do do things so like the but the thing is it's just not what they think it's doing so it's like effect so like so like i can go into a 
fortune teller and be like, I don't, I feel unsure about my future. And the fortune teller will tell me something and I'll be like, I feel better. Like my brain did do something, but it's not magical. It's like my brain just is like. Right, but if you were then going to test that and don't call it science, just call it um, the Andy, just, <laughs> I just try to think of a way to phrase it whenever someone gets mad, uh, which doesn't happen that much. But like, all I'm saying is like, if you go to that lady and have that done versus you don't do it, is the outcome the same? You know, right, if, right. If, if you control for everything else and just do this or don't do it, do you see a difference in, in outcome? And if, well, and if right. not, it's the same if you just go into a room and talk to a person about your feelings and your worries without them turning over tarot cards. Oh, yes, and that claiming be the, to have, that's a better controlled experience. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The therapist is... Which is essentially what it is. It's, a, it's an unqualified therapist who adds a level of magical thought to what they're doing. Look, do but not... But if you feel better off the back of it, it is... I would have thought largely because of the same reasons you feel better after talking to certain types of talk therapists where yeah. you just like offloaded your worries and said your fears out loud to people and hopes. You're, you're besmirching a Madame Ursula and uh, <laughs> she has helped me through some of the most you're spiritually fixed. dark times I've and ever had. And to be clear, that is your therapist, Madame Ursula. <laughs> no, my, my, I literally, she fixed your poor unfortunate soul? Yeah. Like, also, when is Mercury in, in forward grade? I like that's What the, is it? I, what does that mean? Yeah. I forgot. I think it's, I must have learned it's it It's literally point. like the craziest. Okay. I think it's when a pulsar. Is, yes. Uh, okay. Sorry. I don't mean to derail everything back to the goop world. But. No, I, I, I want to know if there's it, an actual science behind what that word means. Uh, what does that mean? Mer- Mercury retrograde is an optical illusion in which, uh, which means it looks as if the planet is moving backwards from our view here on Earth. Hmm. So it's basically when we're spinning and it kind of like... It, it's backwards like the, meaning... So so it's like, you know how when you're parked next to a car and the car backs out and you're sitting still, but you feel like you moved? I think that's kind of what's happening. And that's Mercury in retrograde. Okay. It's so funny if you look up... Mer- oh, okay. Mental floss. So here's like a non-astrology site. While you're looking it up, I'll carry on with the, with the <laughs> yeah, story. This. So this finding is Matt, not... The- Matt and I are going to start a podcast on the left side of the couch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a side bet. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's a little extra pot going on while you're... While Annie's cashed out reading the Mental floss article. The, um... The finding is not the first time that researchers observed flame, uh, frame dragging. Satellites in Earth's orbit have captured the relatively puny effect around our planet, so we have oh, a much lower uh, really amount of gravity. Really condescending towards us. Well, we, you know, we are puny compared to a pulsar. I'll accept oh, that. Oh. Astronomers have also observed... Not my fl- planet. <laughs> <laughs> Trump for emperor of the planet. Make it bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Astronomers have also observed fluctuations in the frequency of X-ray light coming from a black hole where frame-dragging should be quite intense, suggesting that gas may be precessing around it. But, says Adam Ingram, who's an astrophysicist at the University of Oxford who studied that black hole, the new observation is much more direct than mine. I can only infer that something is precessing in black hole... I can only infer that something is precessing in black hole systems, whereas the, precession, uh, the precision radio observations presented here leave little room for ambiguity. See, that's another good science move. There's a scientist going like, hey, I found this stuff a few years ago, but this one's way better. Oh, yeah, that is good. Like, I, I think one of the hard, like, I think time affecting thing, things that affect time are sometimes, to me, the hardest thing to get your head around. Because we don't, because, like, I can imagine something going faster. I can imagine something getting bigger. But time actually being warped is so hard to understand. Yeah, I can, I mean, I, I understand. I do understand at the sort of sort of essential and basic and yeah. mathematical level how special relativity works. Yeah. But the repercussions of it and the 
inference and the inferences of it. And even, like for example, the the twin thought experiment where the twin who's gone off into space. Oh yeah, yeah. and returned. The one we all know. Yeah. Right, exactly. Sure. Uh, the, yeah, but, yeah. Their their clocks go at different because he's going faster, so he and it's more. It's actually because he's accelerating and then decelerating. Right. So yeah, I mean that's like that is such a weird thing to try to understand to like be like right. that time is relative. Seems that we throw that kind of phrase around, but it is really hard to understand. And I think that's also another thing where it's like people don't want to think that way people will be yeah. like be like time travel great but if you're like well it doesn't actually work that way this but, is but happens. that was definitely i remember because who was it i think it was actually when we had jan 11 on the show ages ago where i was asking about that because the thing that always confused me about it was well i thought the whole point of relative speed and relativity is one if twin a is going away in a spaceship and returning from their perspective from the twin on earth that person's going out and coming back, but the from the twin in the rocket, the Earth is going away from them and then coming back towards them. Right. So how is how do they come back different ages? And I think it was Jana who explained that it's actually uh, it's because one of them is accelerating through their inertial frame of reference and then decelerating, yeah. whereas the other twin has no acceleration within that initial inertial frame of reference, and that's what's different about the two. It's so weird. But that. That even still, that idea that uh, oh, by the way, while we're talking about Jan Eleven, I watched. We did you mention this on air? Or did you just mention this when we were hanging out the other day? The uh, Wired videos where oh, the five levels of explanation of, of yeah of gravity. Was friend, it? Yeah, so yeah, friend of the show Jan Eleven, and also friend of the show Sean Carroll. Yeah, I watched both of those. Yeah, uh, are both are two of the ten experts featured in a series on Wired on their YouTube channel. Uh, you may know that from the uh, famous videos posted by Matt Kirshen and Andy Wood. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere back. But uh, on that, that Wire channel, they have a series now where an expert explains a concept within their field. Oh, to, yeah. I, l- I love those videos, actually. They're really yeah, good. So it starts with... So the, in the case of uh, Jan 11 is explaining gravity. Sean Carroll is explaining dimensions. Uh, there's a musician who is explaining harmony. harmony. The highest level person is uh, Herbie Hancock. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, so it goes like the five levels of expertise yeah. in that case are child, teenager, undergrad, uh, grad student, grad student, and Herbie Hancock, which are the five levels of expertise <laughs> in of music. Yeah. <laughs> really bringing a ringer in there, yeah. aren't they? And, and then in the case of the uh, Jan Eleven one, it uh, goes from again a child where she explains gravity at a at a level that a ten year old can understand, and then a teenager, then a undergr- physics undergrad, then a physics PhD candidate, and finally a guy who is a professor of physics at NYU. Yeah, it was really... How far did you get... So, how far, what level did you get to where you're like, I got this, I got this, and then you're like, did did, did you get to the fifth level and you're like, I think I got this. With the, with the gravity one, yes, but only because they're not going into real detail. Right. Like when, when it gets to the point where she's talking to her peer yeah her, her equal they, they're not holding any pun they're not like holding back for the audience at that point. but but they're right. also not you know she's not really explaining concepts to him or vice versa they're just sort of having a discussion about their different interpretations of gravity yeah. and i think she comes from it from a more astrophysics point of view and sort of einsteinian and he comes from it to it from a more Astro- quantum astrology well he's yeah <laughs> exactly but he, he's more an expert in sort of quantum and string theory and that kind of thing and uh but it she, they don't go deep into equations and into heavy 
concepts in that one. Right. And so it, it, they didn't lose me that much because they, they weren't sort of like busting out right like various equations and yeah. i mean yeah well and gravity is another thing where it's like gravity and time are two hard things that are people for people to understand i don't really like I've, and, gra- well, and gravity isn't understood and that's actually one of the things i got more and more from watching that video yeah. with jan 11 is is how much of a mystery gravity is and in fact gravity is really at the heart of the failure current failure to marry einstein's equations with yeah. the quantum equations and have you ever seen that if video? you can if you can get gra- a version of gravity that works, works across yeah. the board then you've basically solved you've probably at least gone most of the way towards coming up with a universal theory of physics yeah. we're, we're is, it, is it that we're warping things around us that makes us because i remember that's, that's the thing. kind of what it does more than being a force is that it warps space-time like, yeah it's, that's that's fucking insane like that's what's so weird is that like like that is essentially also kind of how Star Wars explains the Force. <laughs> so it's like, so it is odd that we're like that. The the real science is so bizarre that that it's odd that people are also like, well, what if we just made pretend stuff up? Because because right. the real stuff is actually it's like magical and, enough. And there, magical enough. You're magical. like, it's like it's and there so is a insane. description. In, I can't remember which level it is in that video that Jan Eleven did, where uh, she talks about how Einstein came by this I- the idea of <laughs> space being curved. No, Newt. Oh, oh there's the neighbor's dog going through, going past the front door. Uh, hold on, hold on, everybody. Hold for Newt. Hold for Newt. Newt, come here. Newt, come here. All right. All right, we're back. Pro- problem's over. Sure. Um, it's just full of anxiety. Sorry. But yeah, <laughs> it, it was a good video, and I definitely learned something from, I think, all but the first couple of levels where she was really explaining things that yeah. I already knew. But yeah. after that, hey, Newt. Hey, buddy. I think Newt is anti-science. Newt is like... Not even the first level. Yeah. Uh, but after after that, that it really was like, oh, I did learn something from her interpretations of each. Definitely, definitely. Um, I so, still I got very the harmony episode. Oh, it's crazy! I, I, I realize I know almost no music theory yeah, watching yeah. that. There's there is, uh, but we'll link to those in the show notes. Uh, Guitar magazine maybe did a thing called like Guitar Alchemy, I think, and it's the guy who. He was in television, the band television. And okay. He was a mathematician or a physicist before being in the band, and he breaks down exactly why certain notes affect you. And it's so interesting because you're there's a real scientific like some some Greek or some philosopher took a string and put it on and realized like, oh, if you cut the string in half, then you're hitting you're hitting the same. Oh, note the octave. harmonics. The right, harmonics. Right, right, right. It's like. And like the that there's actually a scientific reason for why certain notes make you feel uncomfortable, in some ways. But then a lot of that is just also cultural. It's trained, it's learned. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're learned do re mi fa so uh, do re mi fa so la ti do. Yeah, I mean that like the diatonic scale is not the only way of dividing things up. It does have the perfect fourth and perfect fifth in there, which are like yeah. the next harmonics after octaves. But then beyond that, and I guess the major third is close to a harmonic, but then other divisions between those are sort not arbitrary, but you know, it's not like the only way you can divide up an octave. Um, actually, I, I love watching Adam Neely's videos. Have you seen the bassist? And, no, and no. Just generally awesome musician, music theory guy. And he had an episode where he and a musician friend of his, they would play, they would read from a book about music how an interval was described and then see if he could get his friend to say from hearing the word description of the interval what interval it is 
That's amazing. You know, like, is, yeah. it a, is it a perfect, is, is it a major sixth? Is it a tritone? Is it a minor second? Music stuff is very nerdy and people don't. So nerdy. I it's, love it. It's yeah. honestly uh, a terror. It's, I mean, like I, I started building guitar pedals recently and I'm like learning how to solder and learning about uh, I think Jesse Case has a was also making doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a real fun hobby, but it's stoop it's so nerdy. It's very nerdy. And the opposite of nerdy, I was going to do this real quick mental floss thing about um oh, the f- some of the history of Mercury retrograde. So I'm not going to do the entire history of astrology, but um Mercury retrograde, as it's technically called, was being written about in astrology circles as far back as the mid-18th century. The event was noted in British agricultural almanacs at the time, which farmers would read to sync their planning schedules to the patterns of the stars. During the spiritualism craze of the Victorian era, interest in astrology boomed, with many believing that the stars affected the Earth in a variety of often inconvenient ways. Late 19th century publications like The Astrologer's Magazine and Science of the Stars connected Mercury retrograde with heavy rainfall. Characterizations of the happening as an ill omen also appeared in a handful of articles during that period, but its association with outright disaster wasn't as prevalent then as it is today. While other spiritualist hobbies like seances and crystal gazing gradually faded, astrology grew even more popular. By the 70s, horoscopes were a newspaper mainstay, and Mercury retrograde was a recurring player. Because the Roman god Mercury was said to govern travel, commerce, financial wealth, and communication in astrological circles, and Mercury the planet became linked to those matters as well. Don't start anything when Mercury is retrograde. An April 1979 issue of the Baltimore Sun instructed its readers. A large communications organization notes that magnetic (laughs) storms disrupting messages are prolonged when uh, Mercury appears to be going backwards. Mercury, of course, is the planet associated with communication. The power attributed to the event has become so overblown today and it's blamed for everything from digestive problems to broken washing machines. So, uh, obviously, it has nothing... There's no possible mechanism but why it could be affecting us even the flimsiest explanations like the idea that the gravitational pull from mercury influences the water in our bodies in the same way that the moon controls the tides are easily deflated by science a car 20 feet away from you will exert a stronger pull of gravity than the planet mercury does yeah this is like when people blame mercury when it's actually Ra's sun chariot doing it <laughs> of course right right so what, what it actually is okay so to understand how little mercury retrograde impacts life on earth it helps to learn the physical process behind the phenomenon um, when it's in retrograde, it appears to mer- move backwards, east to west, rather than west to east across the sky. That apparent reversal in Mercury's orbit is actually just an illusion to us on Earth. So picture Mercury and Earth circling the sun like cars on a racetrack. A year on Mercury is shorter than a year on Earth. It's 88 Earth days compared to 365, which means Mercury experiences four years in the time it takes us to finish one solar loop. So when the planets are next to each other on the same side of the sun, Mercury looks like it's moving East, oh, so it's exactly Earth. what you were saying about um, like when two tra- when your train and the train next to you are moving at different speeds, exiting the platform, and it looks like your this is America. It looks like Matt. the other train is going right, backwards right. when in fact you're just going a little bit quicker than it. Uh, this is America, Matt. Can you please use cars for metaphors? Thank you. <laughs> Take your trains to the loo, buddy. <laughs> but it would also be if that car was like doing laps because uh, then it reverses because it's going around. Right, right, forever. right. Yeah. Then at one point, the car next to you would stop and you would actually go. Uh, yeah. Here's a little animation just showing both of the things orbiting at different speeds. So, yeah, I mean, obviously no one listening thinks it does anything, but I just didn't even know what it referred to as far as... It might, 
So there we go. Um, okay, so the pulsar procession. Um, oh, I thought you finished. I'm sorry. No, no, that's God. all right. I don't mind jumping around. Oh. This is the lo- longest we've spent on any story, but we've gone off to some really interesting diversions. I'm sorry. I'm... Not at all. No, we, we. I like diversions if they're interesting and cool, which they, these were. So <laughs> that sounds like something you say yeah. the first year yeah. of university. Yeah. You're like, I like diversions if they're interesting and cool. <laughs> like, no, and then you're no like, dumb questions. <laughs> yeah. All right, that was a dumb question. Uh, yeah, yeah. Second year. Um, the pulsar procession helps researchers piece together the final moments in the lives of both stars. Relativistic wobbling only occurs if the orbit of the pulsar and the spin of the white dwarf are misaligned, something which is usually smoothed over by an exchange of mass between the dying stars. This immediately tells us that the orbit was tilted due to the supernova explosion that produced the pulsar, says uh, lead researcher Ven, uh, Ven Katraman Krishnan. Normally, the supernova would go off and then the progenitor of the white dwarf would dump gas on the pulsar after the explosion, a lining spin to orbit. <laughs> Terrible one-night stand. Right? <laughs> you just dump gas on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in this case, the opposite happened. The pulsar's progenitor dumped gas on the white dwarf and then the supernova occurred. Kinky. Right. So there we go. I'm not going to kink shame a pulsar. Yeah, that's not that's who I am. <laughs> no, I, th- I thought that was a sex positive kinky that you just... That's that's really... I mean, like, it's so... Yeah, it's interesting that there's people that are focused on such small things and that the ramifications of these weird small things that are happening, what they can... With one of those things could eventually tell us that is, like, the key to linking all of the stuff together is kind of interesting. Like... There could be a, a, a body out there in space that, like, we're going to measure it, and then we're going to go, oh, now we understand time and gravity. Yeah. So, and we're just combing through the massiveness of the sky. It's crazy, but, you know, we're, everyone's always reaching for more knowledge and more information. Our listeners are, too. You know, they, they say knowledge is power, Matt. Oh, God, if only there were some way to gain knowledge at a discount rate. You know? Uh, thanks to the Great Courses Plus, we get to tap into that power with just a click. Have you heard of the Great Courses Plus, Ed? I have had. I, I have. Uh, I have heard of Great Courses Plus, and I really like them. Yeah, I'm glad because they they have been partnering with us for quite a while now. We uh, we love these people as a sponsor, as a partner. Yeah, it's uh, a streaming service that unlocks unlimited access to objective, reliable, fascinating information on virtually any subject. Uh, these courses are taught by top specialists in their field. So, for example, we've recently been watching Science in the 20th Century, which is lectured by Stephen L. Goldman, who is the Andrew W. Mellon Distinguished Professor in the Humanities at Lehigh University. By the way, how many different things did Andrew Mellon put university-wise around the world? Um, In terms of... Like they're they're everywhere. There's melon shit everywhere. Oh really? Melon, you know that's what I say when I go to a really shitty brunch place. <laughs> yeah. Why so the fucking <laughs> melon, melon shit? Honeydew, <laughs> get it out of here. Give me so my, give me some Carnegie orange. Uh, Ho- yeah. Holly went to Carnegie Mellon University. He's the melon yeah. in that. Right. He's my college had the Forbes Mellon Library. He's really? that melon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, which uh, country is he from? He's American, but I think he's got his stuff all the way over there. He's huh? yeah, yeah. He's everywhere. Um. Yeah, this like university Andrew, has the Andrew Mellon Distinguished mm-hmm. Professorship, which is held by what Dr. Stephen had, L. Goldman, the lecturer of this course. What if he just had a crippling gambling addiction and oh, that's what was, happened? You, I have to was, open up a university yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, why do I keep challenging these deans <laughs> to poker? <laughs> yeah. I, I am so See, bad at poker, up, and so now I've had to buy another library or a professorship. No, Great Courses is really awesome, actually. So. It is. It is very awesome. Uh, yes. and, and I think, like, it's... 
I'm 43, and I I really you don't to, have to admit that in this town. You I did, yeah, say I'm, that out loud. I'm. But you can play like yeah. 20. To... Yeah, I'm handsome and stuff. I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. I try to keep learning all the time, like whether it's music or language or science. I think that's and that's great. And really the Great important. Courses Plus does have courses in all of those. We've been mostly focusing on the science courses, but it does have courses across and. A, the incredibly broad range of disciplines, wine, pretty much you anything. Can study music, yeah. can study history, anything, uh, self-defense. Like, and you don't, yeah, and you don't need a university to do that anymore. You can do that in your home, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. these are taught at a college Just level, as, do, as Matt said. That science in the 20th century is taught by. I, I will say, my only issue with this course is that it's 36 lectures, but the uh, the first one, right from the start, the first lecture is entitled "The Evolution of 20th Century Science," and as you know. I believe that 20th century science was given to us by God <laughs> and <laughs> was created. On tablets. <laughs> that entire yeah. century was uh, intelligently designed. It was. Yeah. I have golden... I believe in... There's these golden discs that I... <laughs> Can I look at them? Yeah. No! Why can't I look at them, It though? ruins the magic. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. That makes sense. I'm sorry. That does make Ugh, sense. God magic. damn it. So, yeah. The 20th but, century was obviously a huge time. Uh, all these things we're talking about that Einstein yeah. theorized that was a century yeah, ago. Well, well, pretty much huge leaps in every branch of science and this this lecture course jumps around all of them so it talks about things like quantum theory uh and gravitational uh um relativity mathematics and truth uh and and what's also cool about this is that no one's saying that you can't also discover something you can we don't know where genius comes from educate yourself and you may think of something that no one's ever thought of sure it's not impossible it's not impossible it, I'm not guaranteeing if you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com you slash be probably <laughs> that you will become I, a genius and discover the grand unifying theory of everything I'm not guaranteeing that but what we can guarantee is a superb offer That's to true. our listeners three months that's true. Yeah, they're offering half off of their three-month plan for our listeners. That's just $10 a month. So $30 gets you unlimited access for three months if you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. You'll have no shortage of things to look at. And you can listen in the car. You can listen. You can treat it as if, as if it's a podcast and then come home and watch the where you left off, the video yeah. version. On I have it on my Fire TV. You can do it on a laptop. Yeah, it's yeah. an incredibly it versatile platform. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, when you finish, if you're car journey finishes halfway through a lecture you can pick it right up on your laptop or on the tv three months to genius that's Do what it. i promise that's what i promise it's promising it we can't legally promise that but Ed's no it else. is guaranteeing a nobel prize to every subscriber at least yeah. one nobel prize possibly because they cover multiple disciplines all of the nobel sure, prizes you, that's a million bucks a piece that pays for itself you might be son. the first one to get the nobel prize set but we can't guarantee that but ed does yeah i guarantee it 100 <laughs> nobel prize guarantee the great slash probably get it check it out uh we have a follow-up email from our story last week about the funnel web spiders which yeah, are coming out a couple in of people said his stuff about that oh. so the fires in australia are bringing out funnel web spiders and australian um arachnologists i guess are asking people to capture funnel web spiders which are crazy deadly and bring them in so they can milk them to create anti-venom <laughs> and we tried to watch a video of people uh, these are like huge huge gross oh i don't need uh, to oh my okay. god so yeah people people uh, i guess because of our podcast people captured some of these spiders and an Australian reptile park said they got the biggest funnel web they've ever seen. They nicknamed him Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> oh, Lord. We, we uh, are... I know Sean Luscombe sent in this oh, story. Okay. Yeah, here's the picture of it in someone's hand. Oh, that's oh, terrifying. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh. It voted for austerity. That's the problem with the spider. <laughs> the spider actually voted for the for austerity measures. Yeah. This, I re- there's a book called... You know, and, and this is not, 
I, I don't know. It's not scientific necessarily, but it's a nonfiction book called The Worst of Hard Times, which uh, is about the the Dust Bowl and the and we have to be aware that like these small micro changes that are happening, we're gonna have giant insects. Like it, they said during the <laughs> Dust Bowl, you would sleep because a lot of the houses were made out of like adobe, basically, uh-huh. and you could. They said like you couldn't sleep because of the sound of the insects burrowing oh through your walls. Oh my god! And like uh, <laughs> just giant centipedes, like centipedes, like the size of your feet were fucking all everywhere. Like people, we're on the the verge of just enjoy enjoy like a spider <laughs> landing on the hood of your car and denting it we're there we're like heading yeah. that way like i i didn't know until this last year about how bad the dust bowl i mean i guess i knew of it i just didn't i hadn't seen pictures of like black sunday yeah it's do you know about how insane it, that dust storm a, was a storm that was i think it was stretched from oklahoma to washington dc and the guy who finally got the started getting legislation he basically kept the senate in session until the storm hit DC so that God. so that they would have to face like think about what you that's that's where we're at like think about that's how people's brains are about science and when it, and accepting truth and reality when it's uncomfortable and complicated for themselves like he basically had to go like I'm going to trap us in in this built in, in this building during a dust storm, so you guys will finally admit we're all going to be we're all going to be dog paddling and like f- and like Mitch McConnell will be like I don't know you know like <laughs> it seems like, it's like not a- he's going to be like on a boat like a dinghy and just be like uh, he's part turtle but sure he'll be okay uh, by the way Justin Broad also sent in the gravity story from before oh, I thank just you, saw Justin. that in emails that oh and Sean Sean no last name. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean Luscombe sent in uh, the Funnel Web follow-up story. Yep, oh, as did Malcolm Pascoe. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah, that spider was found in Newcastle and handed to the park in... No, thank you guys. The, the Australian Reptile Park in, oh, in, near Sydney, um, which last month called for people to catch Funnel Web spiders, as we mentioned, so they can milk them for their venom. Uh, having Dwayne The Rock Johnson as part of the venom program is so amazing because he will save a lot of lives with the venom he'll produce. Liz Gabriel, the director of the Australian Reptile Park, said... He's unusually large, and more spiders like him will only result in more lives saved due to the huge amount of venom. No, the spider has an ego. Huge amount of venom. Um, Australian reptile park keeper Jake Meany said adults could place a cotton bud. Oh, we already talked about this. How to catch the spider. Uh, I wouldn't do it, I don't think. But yes, you try to keep your hands 20 centimeters from the spider. I guarantee you that if you try to catch one of these spiders, (laughs) no way you die. Nope. Yeah, but make sure you put a cotton bud dipped in water in the jar so it stays moist. Um, So the spiders, you want to make sure the spider's comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you could put like a tiny chair and maybe... 20 TVs in there because they have sure. separate eyes. That's so true. You, like, you need one TV for each, each eye. eye. And, uh, <laughs> I, did, you, I forgot about that. Oh, that is a nightmare. Holy cow. I, Australia is just full of every animal that we have, but deadly. Yeah. Um, it's more, worth noting, by the way, I don't know whether this is a direct response to the story about dangerous animals and the what? like, but Newt is currently doing the sort of animal dog going to bed action of. But he's tearing up my pillow. Spinning around, it's an IKEA black and white pillow. This pillow it came with the it came with the couch. You're it's right. literally like, <laughs> this pillow. I I had this pillow and I, I had pillow. to throw it out because it was I saw it in too many pornos. Like it's, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's, uh, I was like, oh, this uh, is a pillow that like porn sets are like, oh, well, we have to have something for them to come on to. <laughs> 
Oh, sorry, I thought you meant the Adult Swim one-off special Too Many Pornos. <laughs> <laughs> too Many Pornos. Too Many Pornos. I saw, I saw uh, um, or I'm sorry, a friend described uh, a scene in a porn once to me uh, <laughs> that was shot in the same building where Max Fun headquarters is. Like, I estimate from the view out on yeah. MacArthur Park, it's just the floor below oh, where all the all the podcasts are recorded at Max Fun headquarters. In, in the American Cement Building? No, at in, MacArthur Park here. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. I love it. I've, I definitely was, I was working on a reality TV show and... We were filming at this rich person's house, and I recognized the backyard of one of the houses in the in the Hollywood Hills. And I was like, I swear to God, I just saw a porno in that that was filmed in that backyard. I'm still mad in the old house. We didn't get any money from using it as a location for yeah, any why, kind of film. Why production. didn't you? The, the other the shithead other roommates didn't let us. We had friends who wanted to shoot. Um, oh my God, that's a total not porn, but you know other things. But yeah, I was like, just guys, classy we can each, erotica. We can each get like. 200 bucks if we just stay out of the backyard for a day <laughs> yeah a p- having access to a pool that's like that yeah that man i miss that place dude oh tell me about it tell yeah. me this place is a dump <laughs> i know i know living it like by yourself I know, like an idiot i don't know if you guys can the audience has ever seen this place but i'm i'm sitting on a trash can yeah <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, a rat of, just nibbled me. Speaking of gross things, uh, another Australian story. Alex Isaac, or maybe Alex, uh, no, Alex Isaac, yes, sent in a story about a one testicled koala. Oh, I missed this story. Yep. Um, pest koalas on Kangaroo Island missing one testicle thanks to, quote, genetic bottleneck. Oh, I'm sorry, not one, not one one testicle, multiple one testicle koala. Oh, jeez. Many koalas from Kangaroo Island only have one testicle and are a poor sample to regenerate declining mainland populations. An expert in wildlife ecology has warned. The warning comes as marsupials orphaned by bushfires are brought to the Adelaide Hills to start a new colony. Koalas are a pest on Kangaroo Island after being introduced as an ARC population of 18 in the 1920s from French Island, a population that was itself introduced at the turn of the century in response to mainland devastation caused by the fur trade. Unlike mainland populations, Koala Island koalas, Kangaroo Island koalas, I'm sorry, are free of chlamydia and have a low rate of koala retrovirus, similar to AIDS, and up until December and January's bushfires has spiraled like, out of control. It sounds like these koalas are squares compared to the other <laughs> The other koalas, fuck. <laughs> these koalas, uh, yeah, they spir- Those koalas wouldn't even recognize that cushion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, have you ever heard a koala? This is slightly off topic, but have you ever heard a koala's the noise a koala makes? Because uh, everyone, stop right now. Think in your head what you think a koala sounds like, and you're wrong. It's a fucking nightmare. I forgot. We saw some in person in, when we were on a, in Australia a year ago, but we didn't. They were pretty tired. They're always pretty tired. They wake for one they're hour. They're exhausted. Day. I'm. Yeah, they work production. They're yeah. they're tired. <laughs> They, uh, Should we look up what a kangaroo sounds like? What a koala, koala sounds yeah, like? Play what a koala sounds like. I mean, we have a decent Australian listener base, and I assume they hear this every day. So Good day, it's mates. not going to be... They... <laughs> okay, now let's play the koala sound. Uh, <laughs> no, that was the koala. That was my dog. That was Newt. <laughs> okay, so uh, yes, these koalas, they had spiraled out of control on Kangaroo Island to an un- unsustainable population of about 50,000. Um people think oh you have lots of koalas over there and they're in decline in other parts of Australia so why don't you just take them across associate professor Matthew Crowther from the University of Sydney said but the problem is there's not a lot of genetic diversity there um, in 2002 study found testicular aplasia in koalas resulted in the remaining t- 
No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. This is part of the same article. You have a subsample bred from a subsample, and a lot of koalas in parts of Victoria and South Australia have what they call testicular aplasia, where they only have one testicle. A 2002 study found testicular aplasia in koalas resulted in the remaining testicle being significantly larger than normal. So you just got one big ball instead of two. One giant ball? Yeah, which effectively compensated for the lack of a second testicle. I'm thinking in of, some ways. I would say not in others. But um, I, I think I'm thinking of that toy when you were a kid that was like a, a rubber ball that you bounced on or maybe like a, the yoga balls that people just, just, the side just, if you push big, one, so. just a big purple rubber ball you sure. use for lower back strengthening. Yeah. You mean like right, that right there? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> your yoga ball. Uh, so yes. Um, your koala ball over there. Some affected koalas had no testicles at all and were therefore sterile. Dr. Crowther said an introduced population on an island could suffer from inbreeding and genetic drift where the frequency of a gene form called allele, called an allele, was affected randomly and led to large changes in populations. A lot of people talk about inbreeding being bad because it affects population growth, but it obviously didn't on French Island and Kangaroo Island because they grew a lot. Several um, SA government programs on Kangaroo Island have sought to sterilize or translocate its koala population to protect the local environment from overbrowsing, despite koala populations being in decline in parts of Australia. Um, so, yeah, the bushfires of December and January are estimated to have decimated KI's koala population by up to 90%. Wow, I didn't know that. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a high percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some 12 koalas orphaned by the fires have been housed at Cleland Wildlife Park in the Adelaide Hills, where they are to form a new ARC population free of disease. Park director Chris Daniels said the new colony was known as the Golden Children and could be used for rewilding purposes. I haven't heard that that verb before, rewilding. And to Haven't improve, you? You never rewild? Rewilded. You never, yeah. You don't remember rewilding out from the... <laughs> the cannons rewilding out? Uh, rewilding out purposes. And to improve the genetics of koalas across SAKI and Australia. If they are true golden children, we can... Oh, I'm sorry. The program involved the military to help with feeding them because it had to be done under the strictest of quarantine conditions, Professor Daniels said. If they I are true want golden children... That movie. I want a movie <laughs> about the military guy who like is a Marine and then he's like a badass dude and they're like, you're troop it. Your future koalas is in your yeah, hands. Yeah, they got to feed koalas. Like this <laughs> Thank you for your service. He learned to love by giving something eucalyptus. He's got these the 12, uh, the 12 disciples of... So yeah, if they're true golden children, we cannot expose them to any potential chlamydia or any other infectious, infective diseases. Um, <laughs> Professor Daniels said testicular aplasia in essay koalas had not affected their ability to breed. Wait, so this article is totally not about what it seems to be about. It's like the te- testicles aren't the issue at all. Well, I mean, they're not not an issue. I mean, it's <laughs> like, well, who's to you, say what's up? You're a person with two testicles, so it's not a big deal to you, but to koala with one giant ball, it seems like it's about that. Here's the pull quote for the article. I'm not sure exactly about the proportion of them that have of them having one testicle, but let me assure you that testicle works. He said. <laughs> that testicle rocks. And winked. Uh, hey, I may not have a lot of balls, but what I do have... <laughs> that guy's got a lot of ball. It takes ball. Uh, it's interesting in that just because they're genetically bottlenecked in the sense that they're very similar because they came from a few individuals, it does not mean they are not able to reproduce and establish sustainable populations. Um, there's actually a fair amount more to this article. But yeah, you get it. They're, they're starting a new... The chlamydia thing is... I mean, that is crazy. Is they all that. go to like spring break in Mexico and they all came back fucked up. Like, <laughs> was last of my friends yeah I wonder if this will be if these 12 koalas will be the future if it's like how all bananas now are just that one shitty banana the one we all get the mediocre banana yeah we, we all get red good. apples like 
Yeah, we're all going to have the shitty uh, Granny Smith koalas. Or maybe they're good koalas, like the same way that every avocado you have is a Haas avocado that came from one tree yeah, like a hundred years ago. Dude, fucking Haas avocado yeah. rule. Yeah, maybe these will be Haas koalas. <laughs> Uh, are koalas delicious? I bet they're delicious. Are we are we doing this show right? Am I doing this show? I think okay. this is this is what it usually is. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I'm I'm concerned. I'm I've I've been working super long days and uh, no, this is the show. And I just want to make sure that I'm not. <laughs> I'm in like kind of a sleepless haze, and so I'm just making sure. I'm with you. Actually, no. I, I forgot to. I was going to mention the new job that I have is. Um, I'm writing on the Great Debate for Sci-Fi Wire, um, and that's a show that. TJ Chambers, oh, friend yeah. of the show, TJ, recent yeah. co-host, uh, he's been doing that live at cons around the country, like Comic Cons and things. Mm-hmm. A panel having people debate things like, you know, who's who would be the worst boss to work for, Darth Vader, TJ or the Joker, TJ Chambers. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but we're making it. It's it's taping in a month. So if you're in LA between March 8th and March 17th, and you want to come see, uh, I can't tell you the names of who we booked, but the people who've been on the live panel are like. You know, your Adam Savages, Felicia Days, Joe Manganiello, uh, nerdy, solid uh, nerd core. And I but think also they like, have announced who the host is, though, as well, right? Oh, Baron Vaughn is the host. Yeah, oh, Baron, Baron's our the friend best. Baron, who's oh also God, a mystery science theater fame. And friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. Really good guy. Um, so if you want to watch tapings, uh, we'll have two a day from March 8th to the 17th. Why don't you just tweet at Probably Science if you're interested in coming, and I'll put you on a list. Um, we want some people who will get nerd jokes in the audience, so. Yeah. Rather than just, yeah, there's always a risk if, particularly for a new show, the, you kind of, if you don't have people who are fans of the show or fans of the kind of thing the show is, then you yeah. end up with a bit of a renter crowd where it's just yeah. Yeah. dipshit, out of work, yeah. like, you get actors Mike, and models trying to get on TV. You get Mike Lawrence waxing philosophic about the esoterica of adamantium and like, yeah, yeah. some rental audience person uh, some just going like, if I smile enough, maybe I'll get on TV more and I'll get cast on The Bold <laughs> yeah, and Beautiful. Yeah. Every one of those, there is nothing. There's extras, and and then there are the audience people, and it is a sad life in in L.A. for those people to be an audience person. To be an audience person, unless like, you're actually excited to see shows. I mean, if you're if you're there to see yeah, that I think show, there are, I think there are worse sort of temporary jobs you could be doing if you yeah. just want to make some extra cash on the side. Oh. It depends like, on the I show. Like going to taping. No, no. I like I'm, I, I was stage. I stage managed for two years, and like. The, I'm talking about the people who like are extras for like their life isn't necessarily bad. The they all have the, basically like there's a real Venn diagram overlap of like someone who's super into pyramid schemes and someone who also they just want to be an extra. It's it's that sort of it's the same mentality. Okay. They all are like it's they show up with folding chairs and their laptops and a book to read and they're all like kind of sort of working the stock market at the same okay. time it's really an interesting <laughs> vibe man i i did have one and you're treated like cattle also too. yeah there is that i've been an extra and i know what yeah. that is i i had to do something once where it was for a small role on jim jeffrey's old sitcom legit yeah where he's so you can see me in, a, in on in, hulu is it on hulu now no, just, i just oh. wanted to plug hulu for um <laughs> But it it, it's bounce, it could well be. It bounced around various streaming services at various different times. Uh, but I was playing a stand-up comedian. Stretch. Which is a real stretch. And, so and for... And what if my, I said that really seriously? Say, say it one time. I was, a, so, I was playing a stand-up comedian. That was a real fucking stretch. Yeah, that, that sounded... <laughs> no, I was just like, yeah, that must have been hard for you. For no, it real. wasn't a stretch at all, because that's what I do. That's my uh, uh, yeah. job. It's my uh-huh, day job. Uh-huh, yeah. So did someone write the jokes that you did for you? No, so this is a thing. 
<laughs> but I had to. Uh, the thing thing about if they're if they're taping a scene is when I was in the foreground of the shot, I was talking at my normal volume, but then it cut to. Jim having a conversation with another comedian at the bar of this comedy club with me in the background, which meant that for multiple takes in a row, I had to mime doing stand-up comedy. I I had to do stand-up comedy <laughs> silently oh, no. to an audience of extras pretending to laugh. Oh my god! Um, god holy shit! Because because thing. if I was talking for real, that sound would bleed into the scene and it would make it impossible to cut. So. And also, so you then, have to do it in a way that's not a joke. You can't be like Ron Lynch, who's a funny. Yeah, comic person who could do no sound at all and still make you laugh. Yeah, no, well, I had to just be look like I was just doing normal take. speaking stand-up right, comedy right. because also they filmed some with me really, really talking, and that would be, then the sound would get mixed of that at a low level over the scene where right. I'm in the background. Oh, God, that's um, so crushing. But the reason I mentioned it in particular is because this audience of extras who were there being my audience, one guy hated me like he i bombed with that one guy i was miming doing comedy and i couldn't get a fake laugh out of a guy who was miming being an audience member you got silent heckled you got <laughs> I, know, I, I was getting like the si- i was getting the silent silent treatment just him pointing at you on the stage and telling you to get off <laughs> yeah it was like fucking what do i have to do to pretend to make you laugh just give me something just fake give me something while i fake because i'm fake working my ass off here yeah <laughs> Maybe he thought fake. I don't fake go to your job and knock the fake dick out of your <laughs> fake mouth. These fake comics, they want fake hecklers. We're yeah. fake helping the show. What else yeah. is in the fake yeah. news? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, actually, he probably was being quite a good actor because there is always that one guy in a real yeah, audience. There's, there's always that one person. They want, why do they want to... There's a, there's a scientific study I want. Why do the people with the worst sense of humor sit, love to sit front row center? Yeah. It's yeah. fucking insane. I, I couldn't, yeah, and he was right there, and I couldn't not see him, and it was just nothing, just giving me oh, nothing. That is just soul crushing. Your your only job is to be paid to pretend to like this. Yeah, <laughs> I've really sold this whole thing that thing I'm trying is, to get people to do without getting paid. Now we right? gave you pizza. <laughs> we but gave it, you pizza, but it also really got to me as well. I was like, why can't I get that? I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> these non-words. I'm not saying yeah. this fake. You're just at an open mic trying to sort it out like guys I'm not going to do any material I'm just yeah, going to pantomime see what happens I know yeah. awesome. <laughs> so that when I next have to fake do stand up to oh, a fake audience that is awful man but no I think a real taping for a for a show like that as well like a panel show where yeah, yeah oh, no, that's going to be fun, fun. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be fun people that is fun because also it. it's live and interactive and genuinely improvisational right. as well because there'll be people and, shouting and people have seen I think it went viral as just a clip from the show I think it was Parks and Rec Pat Oswalt's uh, yeah. Star Wars filibuster yeah. I mean it's that sort of thing you know yeah so yeah if, if you enjoy you're gonna, that which i guarantee you, you'll probably have some good warm-up comics doing bits and stuff like that i don't even know if we'll have warm-up comics but like the whole panel like the people we're casting like like i said we can't say in case they fall through, yeah but it's really it's people that i'm George super lucas. excited about yeah we got lucas stanley is coming back from the dead for it albert einstein uh, uh, the actual batman Yes. A, a pulsar <laughs> and 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 Dwayne the Rock Johnson, not the actor, the giant spider, spider. <laughs> who wins. By the way, wins he's all the debates. Strong, <laughs> he's got strong opinions about Miles Morales versus Peter Parker. You can't. So. You can't. Oh man, dude. We were someone to talk about that. I'm like that's not going to be a debate topic. Who's going to like if that's if it's Miles Morales versus Peter Parker? Who's going to take Peter Parker? Yeah, you're. Wants to be. <laughs> I like to be the racist person in this debate. <laughs> Oh, I love Miles too. I mean, Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse is, is the best comic book movie jam. I've ever seen, it's I think. one of the best. My, yeah. my girlfriend, I was like, you have to watch this movie. And she, and I came home and she was like kind of crying. And she's like, 
That may be the best movie it's, I ever it's, saw. It, it should have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. It should have won every... It, it's like, it's the best it movie of that year, and it's so yeah. powerful and good. And it's on Netflix now. Watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. A, it's fucking funny. It, yeah. It, the story is great. The animation's ridiculously awesome. Oh, it's so good. Um, and the science behind it, rock solid, right? Sure, yeah. 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 <laughs> should, we, should we save uh, one, little ep- one little story about autism for the Patreon bonus? Let's do that, and then we'll also make this dog um, howl by singing a yep. certain song that we'll for Patreon in the, oh, in the Patreon. Or a story about sperm whales. We could do one or the other. By the sperm way, whales are interesting. I read, I read that. Sorry. Um, sorry, go ahead. No. Oh, I was just going to say, is my dog has been on TV as a voice actor. So oh. He's on Jay Leno's Garage. Oh, so is he Is he union? Are we gonna, if we use him on the podcast, are we going to be in trouble? He's after. Um, he we'll send the residual checks in yeah. the form of milk bones. If you ever watch Jay Leno's Garage, which my girlfriend works on, I don't watch the show. I just watch his garage. <laughs> you you got to have a job. You got to <laughs> yeah. have a side job. It's a task rabbit job for you. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and there's an episode with Matt Damon, and there. And if you watch that episode, it's about Ford versus Ferrari. There's a dog bark in one of the moments, and that's this dog, nice. which you will hear sing if you join the Patreon, which you can join for five dollars a month. Five dollars a month for really. bonus episode, and it also just helps us cover our costs. Yeah, which we helps these guys. So, yeah. And when you're when you're Working in comedy every little bit really helps, and supporting an artist is a really great way to yeah, spend some Yeah, you dough. call us an artist. We can't call ourselves that, but I'll take it. Sure. I guarantee that they're artists, that you're going to be a genius, <laughs> and that you will never die from a spider bite. <laughs> this is just, as long as you stay in the U.S., listen to this podcast, you'll never die yeah. of a spider bite. Of that spider bite. Yeah. Uh, Ed, how can our listeners find you and track down what oh, you're doing? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not very public anymore, but... if. I am currently working for we're making stop motion and if you want to go to if you have children and if you have adolescent uh, kids go watch the stop motion that we're producing uh, for Mattel it's stop motion monster truck island and hot wheels and it's a super fun gig and uh, I think we're making really good stuff for children it's already it's already out it's already out we're making more we're always making more we will link to that and I will eventually bring back my Smith's Morrissey podcast and uh, you don't have to do that. I, oh, Andy, <laughs> no. Not the, Let's not start I'm not the thing. biggest fan. Johnny Marr. And I think I'm going to bring it back called Do You Look Marvelous? It's a Johnny Marr podcast. So. Okay, if it's all Johnny Marr. Yeah. Uh, but uh, You could yeah. team up with a Marvelous Mrs. Maisel podcast and have a Marr off. You asking that question just made me feel really insecure about being not being out in public as much as I should be anymore. Dude, we're... We're tired of being a comedian. It worked as a function. Now I get to make trucks move. We did, we did stand up when it was fun. I it mean, was fun. <laughs> uh, I yeah. Sorry, Matt. You, you do a lot of it. Yes, and I will do it again. It's just uh, we're living in dark times. Book me for something. I'll show up and tell sure. a joke from five years ago. It's great. <laughs> Guys, what's going on with Obama? Okay, let's let's cut this uh, off here, and uh, we will have the the bonus episode yep. for the patrons. So, so you can find Ed. You can find us probablyscience.com, uh, at Probably Science Facebook slash Probably Science. You can find us individually on Twitter at Andy T Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover can be sent to Probably Science at gmail.com indeed indeed thank you again and for listening nice things about us on thanks iTunes for having like me guys helps. thanks for thanks being for here Ed Salazar everybody you, give everyone. it up okay I'm hearing, I'm hearing a silent applause of extras okay <laughs> what is that one guy <laughs> that one guy's not a clapping <laughs> <of it. laughs>